0: and welcome to another episode of No Life Like Show Life. I've actually been looking forward to recording this so much because I think it's a very interesting topic and I feel like it's one that at least in the Western industry we haven't focused on so much. So I'm very excited to welcome my guest and I'm so afraid to pronounce your name wrong. Hi Dora and first question tell me how to pronounce it right. Hey and thank you so much for inviting me. So it's Dora Goethe. Okay, I have to
1: remember that. So just think about it as TZ in German. That's, oh, yeah. I think there's a, there's a name like this, yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's easy. Okay, great. Thank you so much for joining me. And can you introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. Thank you so much for having me. So uh, my name is Dora Goethe.
1: I'm 28 years old. I'm originally from Hungary. I was born and raised in Hungary, and then I moved to Denmark to go to university and that's where i live today with my boyfriend brian and our three dogs and horses of course i have a degree in chemistry and biotechnology that's why i moved to denmark and uh, i run Dora goods equestrians that's my company i'm a horse trainer i'm a mental trainer and the performance coach so i work with both horses and people and
0: take them to horse shows and help them develop into the rider that they wish to be that's so great it's actually fascinating i didn't know that i mean i knew you were from hungary and i knew you lived in denmark Mm -hmm. but i didn't know why and i didn't know you had a degree so that's really (laughs) cool and you just hinted at the topic we're going to talk about because we're going to talk about mental training which is so fascinating i think but before we do that can you probably tell me how you got into showing horses because you just told me you're training horses but I think I firstly saw you at an APHA show a few years ago. So how did you get involved with that? Sure. So
1: I come from a non horsey family. Um, nobody really does the horses in my family, but they were very supportive. So already when I was five years old, my parents were trying to find me a riding school, but nobody would take me because I was so small. So I actually ended up starting in a prison in Hungary, like kind of an open prison, because my oh. dad had a... Yeah, my dad had a friend who worked there and uh, kind of had the responsibility for the horses. They had horses uh, that did working. Basically, they used them for all different kinds of uh, tasks. So I got the chance to to start there because there was an instructor who was really helpful. So they were very surprised how small I was and uh, but they thought it will give it a try and I actually used two years there. So I got all my basics and it was a great experience. And after that, I was big enough to go to writing school. So that's what I did. And I got dressage basics. So Western was far away at that point. But I had a really great dressage trainer. And she was married to a Western trainer at a time. So she invited me to a summer camp. I was about 12 or 13 years old, I would think. And I said, okay, if that's what you think I need. And I was totally fascinated by Western writing. I thought it was the best thing that ever happened to me it seemed like the horses had uh, such a better life in a way. I was a little kid, so I could only see the loose reins. And I thought that those horses could do everything, that the dressage horses just don't lose the reins. And I thought it was just so cool. So I basically stick with Western ever since. And uh, the reason why I got into paint horses was because, like I said, I don't come from a horsey family. So I always borrowed other people's horses. And uh, the first horse that I got a half part in was a pain horse his name was king and i got to train him and show him that time in raining i think i fell in love with the spots and the different colors they also had Appaloosas in the barn so for me coming from dressage
0: it was just so cool (laughs) very fascinating and you've been really successful in the apha industry and i don't want to say anything wrong but i feel like you've been especially successful in the trail is that right
1: yeah, that's, that's definitely my favorite discipline. I, I think also because the level of difficulty, I've always been fascinated. So both in-hand trail and, uh, and trail, I've, I've been competing and I'm also showing pleasure and helping my clients with with the all-around, so showmanship and horsemanship. But definitely, uh, I'm trying to do a
0: really, really good uh, foundation in the pleasure and moving it over to the trail and the all-around. Very cool. How many horses do you currently have in training or what's your average number? I used to have eight
1: horses in training. I used to do it full time. And now I cut down to half because I would like to dedicate more time to my mental training and performance coaching. Because for me, it's so important to keep my horses in training, but I'm also very excited about the new possibilities that I have the way I can help riders so I currently only keep four to five horses in training.
0: And you actually just mentioned the topic that I was going to ask about next because how did you get involved with the mental training?
1: I think it all started because um, I realized that horse training was mainly people training so here I mean when I have clients and I was trying to help them with their horses I started realizing that the more I can help the owner understand what I'm doing and how their horses work and think, the better the result was. And I was doing my best and I was working a lot with techniques that were working for me, but we are very different. So I started realizing that I would like some help on the people part. And for a long time, actually I was looking for different things and what could it be that could give me this uh, ability to be better at communicating what I can do with the horses to the clients, all of a sudden I, I started looking into coaching and I found this really, really great education that I took and it turns out it was exactly what I needed. So I really just wanted to uh, help my clients being better at communicating what I can do with my horses, but also because if I have to be honest, I think there's a lot of uh, negative energy in the horse world. I experienced a lot of bullying and, and I think it was so important that I can make a difference and the clients that come out of my barn and the people I train should be different and should basically be a part of the horse world in a much more positive
0: way. So that
1: was my big motivation.
0: I think what you said in the beginning, training horses is like basically training people. (laughs) I think that's so true. I think it's such a smart (laughs) thing to say. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's. I think it's very important that when you send your horse into training, then you also learn as much as your horse does. And we trainers have to be really good at telling you what we are doing.
0: Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. But you just also mentioned that there are some negative aspects of the horse show industry. And I think that's quite an important point because I think we don't talk about this enough, at least from my perspective, because I feel like bullying in a certain way is always found at horse shows sometimes more sometimes less and sometimes it's very you know detectable very visible sometimes it's not so what were your experiences and how did you fight it
1: yeah I I really think it's a big topic and it's really not talked about enough or it's talked about but we don't really talk about what we can do about it and actually that was my motivation like I wish I could help those people right I think it's Of course, it's in the equestrian world, but it's also anywhere else, especially when it's about sport and animals, we have feelings attached. And my experience have been both with myself and with my clients that people are very welcoming when you're a newbie, because we all wanna have new people in the sport. But as soon as you start being just a little bit successful, then it can get really ugly. And I try and prepare my clients for it. And I try and help them close that out, I my best advice, that's what worked for me was to always focus on doing the right thing. It's very important for me when you know you're doing the right thing, then you don't have to listen to bullying. You don't have to listen to what other people think. If you know you are doing the right thing and you are not hurting other people and you're not hurting your horse, then you only have to think about what you are working on and look forward and it will pass. I mean, this is something that always passes. There will always be other victims that they will find. And I think the most important to remember is that it's not about you, it's about them. It's always about them. Some insecurities that they have and they feel like that they have to basically make sure that you are not as empowered as you might be so they have a better chance against you. So that was basically always my focus regarding bullying.
0: I agree on so many things you just said. I think it's so true, like, as long as you're new and people feel like you're still a little lost in the industry, they're very (laughs) welcome to help. But as soon as you have, like, a little win and then you get, like, some more achievements, people are, like, getting, you know, much more distant and starting to watch you from a different perspective. (laughs) So, yeah. Then you become a competitor. Then it's something different. I mean, in a way, it's sort of a compliment, but... Yeah, it's, it can be hurtful, absolutely.
1: Yeah, but I mean, don't get me wrong. I I love our Little Horse Show family. And I think especially AQAJ and APHA circuits have been known for being helpful and positive. And all the extra size riders that I teach, they just, they cannot believe the atmosphere at our shows. So there are a lot of positive things. It's not about that. But there will always be, you know, rotten apples. And yeah. uh, you will you will be able to find them everywhere.
0: Yeah, but I think your approach is very interesting because as you said, the world itself, it's beautiful and it's fun and exciting, but it has bad aspects. But as you said, you're just you know focusing on how to make it better and how you yourself can deal with it. So what I'm interested in, what does your work with your clients look like? Do you have like special sessions where you sit down and you talk about those things? Or is it something that, Happens during you know the riding lessons. It's both.
1: Um, I both have clients who ride with me, so have horses in training and come to lessons, and of course we talk a lot about how and the mental aspect of the riding uh, when they are riding. And all trainers do, by the way. It's just I have probably more focus on it because I've been educated in it. But all good teachers will talk about these things. But I also have clients who live further away or have really good trainers. They just would like to have help with the mental part. So, those trainings normally happen through Zoom, through coaching. So, I do have clients who I work with only with the mental training, and they have their trainers who help them with the writing.
0: Oh, that's actually cool because I was about to ask that, like whether you would help someone who would be sitting in Germany, for example. (laughs) Sure.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's, you know, that was the good part of Corona. I think we all got used to being online and the trainings moved online. So, we have so many possibilities right now. So we just have to use those.
0: Yeah. And with that topic, it's actually easier to do it via Zoom than the usual writing lessons, right?
1: Oh yeah. I actually also started doing writing lessons online. I thought that was also interesting and it works yeah. pretty well. So there are no borders anymore.
0: <laughs> I think it works better than people probably would have expected, right? Yeah. I, I was surprised myself. I tried it with a few of my clients who couldn't travel and uh, and I was very surprised how well it worked. Yeah. It's really cool actually. I think it's it's actually one of the great things we got from the pandemic. So at yeah, least something. Absolutely. Yeah, at least something. So what are some of the most common problems that you tackle with your clients when it comes to mental training?
1: Yeah, so I think, and I'm specifically gonna talk about horse shows because I think you know, most of the riders I work with, they they have some kind of ambitions for horse shows. And I think focus is a huge one. But what I mean by focus is that many times I experience when we go to horse shows all of a sudden a lot of things that they're not that important get into the focus of my clients so if you imagine that you have 100 focus points like how much do you want to give to your competitors for example like how many of your focus points do you want to use on how the other people look or what the other people think or how did the judge look when you came around the corner or where is the audience? How many people are in the audience? So you only have these 100 focus points and you should really use it on your horse because it's a big enough experience to come out to a horse show. And that's one of the biggest things that I see that, and we all do it, is just to be aware of it and and bring the focus back to the horse, yourself and your task. So I think that's the biggest one that I see.
0: Yeah, I can actually imagine because I think you're bound to watch other people. I think it's sort of natural if you're in a class with them, at least in the pattern classes and not on the rail. (laughs) Although I know that some people actually manage to ride a Western pleasure class and still watch other people. I don't know how they do that, but um, (laughs) yeah, it's actually true because I think we're always focusing more on what other people do and what they could think than what we do and what we probably think about ourselves. Yeah, and that's, that's
1: really a big issue because like I said, you only have these hundred focus points, so you better use it on yourself because there is enough to work on with just you and your horse and the task you're trying to solve. And it's fairly important that you bring your focus to the things that are in your circle of influence. So by circle of influence, I mean, you know, the things that you can control and the things you can control. So it's very important to keep it inside of your circle of influence. I also see another big one when people are trying to overachieve. By that, I mean that we are coming out to the horse show and we know that we cannot do a four-pole lopover, but we're gonna start a class anyways with four-pole lopovers. And this is a very, very dangerous one, both for the horse and for the rider, because our brains cannot overperform. So your brain can only perform as much as it's used to. And all of a sudden, when you're under pressure, you're trying to overperform, is just bound to go the wrong way. And it's also a very bad experience for the horse. So I'm always trying to make sure that our goals are set right and not trying to overachieve at the horse shows.
0: Oh, I think that's a very interesting aspect, to be honest, because I feel like a bit of a challenge is always good. But as you said, if you cannot manage to do, I don't know, the obstacle, the maneuver, the skill you're bound to show at home, then it's bound to go wrong at the horse show right right yeah
1: it's not very it's not very much about the challenge because of course you should you know you should always challenge yourself yeah. but but your brain is not going to be able to perform more than what it can do at home when you're under pressure you can only perform only perform what's what's sitting in you what's already a habit and i think it's a mistake that we make very easily
0: yeah I think someone once told me that the warm-up pen is a warm-up pen, not a practice pen, because I think that's Mm. also something that people tend to mix up, you know? It's really just to, you know, get the horse warmed up, get it used to the situation, but not to practice a certain maneuver or go over poles again or whatever. Right, definitely.
1: I think there's a very good saying that I like uh, keeping in mind is that you don't win the trophies at the horse shows. You just come to pick them up so you really do all your training from home and it's very very true with mental training as well you know you don't start thinking about how to control your nerves or how to stay cool at a show when you're nervous you these are kind of things that you want to work on on a daily basis and it's the same thing with horse training so those two things just go very well together
0: you just mentioned being nervous and i think that's one of the topics many many people ask about on the show life. like what can I do if I'm nervous? And I always tell them that I'm absolutely the wrong person to ask because (laughs) like, actually it's quite good now, but a few years ago I was so nervous. It was, it was not fun for me and not fun for other people around me. So do you have like a piece of advice for people that are nervous? Sure. I actually do. Yeah.
1: Being nervous is really bad for you because yeah, like you said, it has to be fun. So this is a big thing that we all have to solve when We are going to horse shows. One of the big things that you should remember that you actually can control your own mood. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. There are th- techniques to teach yourself how you can change your mood and that you don't just get self-confidence, do you do it? So this these are things that you can practice. So I think that's the first thing that it's very important to understand that you have the power, you have the choice. You can change your mood and you can choose the mood you want to be in. So it's a very easy four step little thing little exercise that you want to do the first thing is that you choose the mood or the state you want to be in and that could be self-confidence that could be cool a lot of times it's cool at horse shows because you're nervous then the second piece of this is to show it because all feelings have a body language that go with it so i think we all know how a person who is sad how the person looks when they're sad, how do you look when you're happy, how do you look when you're self-confident, right? So if you wanna look self-confident, then forward with your your breast, back with your shoulder, looking up. As soon as you start showing it with your body language, you will start feeling it because it just changes your biochemistry in the body. So first you choose a feeling you want to have, then you show it with your body language. And number three is to feel it because very quickly you're gonna start feeling the biochemistry change in your body. And number four is just to give it because the strongest energy always wins. So even though you have people who are nervous around you, if your energy is stronger, then your energy is going to win. So don't be afraid of showing it. If you need to sing, if you need to smile, if you need to hug people, it doesn't matter. Whatever works for you and your horse is going to feel it as well. And I think that's critical because horses are flight animals. So sitting and shaking on top of a flight animal at a new place that it never has seen before it's just bound to go wrong again. So choosing a state, showing it with the body language, feeling it and giving it to other people and your horse.
0: Yeah, I think that's very important. Very good advice, actually. I'm trying to do that next time <laughs> before it's, class. it's really
1: just something that you can practice. Like it's, it's not just for horse shows. It's everyday situations as well. We do get nervous. We do get sad. And uh, as soon as you realize that you have the power, it's a pretty cool thing to be able to control that. And do you just practice that at home with your clients? Yeah. So it's just every time. And you can also do that with your friends. Like every time you see someone struggle with something like that, you just poke them and say, do you remember, choose, show, feel, and give. Just go ahead and do it. And if they know the exercise, they will right away do it. Sometimes it's just a comment that you have to make. Just, you know, remember, you have the power. You can decide. A lot of times it's just not taking responsibility because we are used to, you know, blaming the ground, the judge, the weather, the horse. And we all have the tendencies to say, yeah, I also have a bad mood today. I'm also in a bad mood today. And no, you decide what kind of mood you are in. And it's enough just sometimes to say something to your friend or to your client. It can change their whole
0: day. Yeah, absolutely. I actually remember some situations in the warm-up or after a class where someone Walked up and said something nice and it was like a total different feeling. And I think you probably have to practice saying nice things to yourself in a way, right? Oh yeah. It's it's a really, really big thing, actually, not
1: just with the us equestrians, just in general. Your yeah. picture of yourself, your identity, how you talk to yourself, what you think of yourself is one of our biggest limiting factors. That could be the reason why you don't win at horse shows, because you believe deep inside that you cannot win because you are the girl who always takes the third place. And, you know, whatever you do, whatever you basically tell yourself, you're going to be better at it. So if you keep on telling yourself that you are not the girl who's going to win at the horse shows, then you're going to be better at not winning at the horse shows. So it's a huge thing to basically build a new picture of yourself as a writer or a person. And that's one of the first things that I start with when I work with my clients, is to create that identity that they wish to be. It can be that they are not that person right now, but if that's what they would like to become, if they would, would like to become people who can win at horse shows, who can stay cool at horse shows, then that's the kind of identity that we have to design. And you can do that by looking in the mirror. That's one of the methods. You can do that by writing down, what kind of person or writer you would like to become and keep on repeating it to yourself. And funnily enough, if you repeat it enough times, then you'll believe it and you will become that person.
0: Yeah, it's just an effect of learning, right? But how do you deal with pressure or how do you tell your clients to deal with pressure? Because I think pressure is probably something different than being nervous, right?
1: Yeah, it can be different. Uh, Many times we are nervous because we are under pressure. I think I, I have three focus areas that that I try to think about when I'm under pressure or see someone being under pressure. Number one is I already mentioned the circle of influence, because many times we are worried about something that's not in our circle of influence, something that we cannot do something about. So it's very important that if we feel under pressure, number one is to make sure, is this something I should worry about? And if it's something I should worry about, then number two is focus. Like, am I focusing on the right task? Because many times we are just not focusing on the most important thing. So I try to bring my focus there where I can make the biggest difference solving the problem. And it's just, again, training because we all get distracted, but you can train your focus and you can train yourself to keep your focus there where it has to be as long as you want it to be. And number three is we are back to controlling my state or my client state, you always have a choice, you can decide how you want to feel. So if you're under pressure, that's okay, you can recognize that I'm feeling nervous or under pressure. But you can change that.
0: Yeah. Something you just said actually reminds me of the yoga class I'm taking at the moment, because our yoga instructor always tells us to just recognize the way your body feels and don't judge it. Like if your body is tired, or your body is not as fit as probably the week before, you should just recognize it and not judge it. And somehow that actually has helped me. I think it's kind of like a cool trick to help yourself.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of mindfulness training in yoga. It's, It's really good. And actually that can also help you calm your nerves. Now you've asked about nerves. And that's just, you know, recognizing that you have nerves, like you're nervous, and just saying thank you. Like, it's good. I have them because nerves are also energy and you need energy to perform. You know, it's really good to have these stress hormones in the body because they make you focus. But it's also important that you can calm yourself down. And then we are back to yoga, the breathing. So, first you recognize that you have this state and then you breathe because it does calm you down, like physically. And then you can choose another state you would like to be in. And with yoga, it can be also issues in your body but it's the same thing when you're nervous
0: or you're not satisfied with how you feel that day absolutely so do you feel like your warm-up at the show with your clients is different than what other trainers do with their clients it can be different because like I said a lot of
1: a lot of trainers uh, are very very good at helping their clients get prepared mentally you know I just kind of think it's important to understand that us trainers, we we normally become trainers because we are good at training horses, but most trainers are also very good with people. So I think it depends on what kind of trainer you have. If you have a trainer who is good at helping you with the, the mental part of it, then probably your warm-up looks the same as my warm-up would look like. If you have a trainer that doesn't help you with that part, then it might look different. I think it's it's just very important that it's really just the three focus points that I try to focus on with myself or with my clients is me, the horse, and whatever we need to focus on, the the task that we need to solve. And whenever we move away from there, we just move back to that. Because these three things will pretty much bring you back to where you have to be. You, yourself, your
0: your horse,
1: you, and the task.
0: And you just said that many good trainers are actually good with people which makes them good trainers Mm -hmm. so they probably include mental training without actually knowing it in a way is what i i don't know what i feel like is what it is but do you think we could include the whole aspect of mental training more into our horseshoe world and if so how oh yeah like i we, we all do mental training so Mental
1: training is a phrase we use to refer to some techniques we are using to basically improve our mental state. But everybody who has a brain is doing mental training. Because mental training is is basically about creating habits. And us people, we are people of habits. Habits control our life. And mental training is about being aware of what kind of habits are controlling your life and changing them. And yes, a lot of Trainers do it totally uh, naturally. They just don't know how they do it or why they do it. Some of them, I was one of them. Like a lot of things that I learned in my education, I figured that I've been using for a lot of years. It just makes me more focused and it, ma- it makes it easier for me to recognize what my clients uh, need. But yeah, we all do mental training. And I think that's also important to think about that it's basically just the training of the rider you would like to become. So whatever you train, you're going to be better at it. So either you're training the bad habits or you're training the good habits.
0: And I think habit is a very important word in that context, because to me personally, they're very important in the preparation before the class, like getting my clothes on, getting my horse ready, going Mm -hmm. up to the warm up, talking to my trainer, then warming up a little, then talking to the trainer again. All those things really give me security. Right. And that's, that's what I mean. We are, we are people of habits. Yeah.
1: They control us. So, And that's also what I mean by we cannot overperform because you're always going back to what you're used to doing. And that's why it's so important to understand. And, you know, being nervous is also a habit going to horseshoe and being nervous, that's also a habit. And you can change that to another habit that's called I'm cool at horse shows. It just takes practice. It's like a muscle. You can train it and be better at it every time to go to a horse show.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, the, the muscle memory only works to a certain extent. So why yeah. why shouldn't your, your mental state work to a broader extent than what you used to? I mean, yeah, exactly. as you just said. If you're always nervous at the horse show, you you probably have trouble changing that habit. Yeah, exactly. It's eighty percent is basically our mental performance.
1: So twenty percent is what you train your technical performance, your training, and eighty percent is going to be your mental performance. And why is that? Because if you even though you have practice, then you have the winning horse and you're the winning rider if you forget your pattern in the middle of the class or if you get nervous and your legs are shaking and you give the wrong signal to the horse it's going to give you such a major fault that you're going to be out of the competition that's also why we see top athletes basically just not performing when they're under pressure so that's what i mean by the habits you know we are our brain is trying to protect us our brain is not trying to make us happy so it's keep on bringing us back to our good old habits, safety, and we can train our brain to allow us to go on a little adventure. Like sitting on a 600 kilo animal is a big enough adventure for our brain. Yeah. So we are way past making us feel secure. You know, we both, most of us have food and security and the roof over our heads. So we would like to be happy. And that's when you have to convince your brain that it's a good idea and work on that 80% that's your mental performance.
0: Yeah. And as I've recognized in the past years, mental training is a big aspect of, you know, all kinds of sports and especially on high levels. But I always feel like it's very special for our sport because there's always like a third party involved. It's not just the trainer and the client, but it's the trainer, the client and the horse. So Mm -hmm. it's, three aspects you have to take in a, into account which sometimes makes it difficult i feel
1: yeah i totally agree so yeah it's, it, this is kind of the funny thing with mental training that you just referred to that some people only think that it's for top athletes but then there are some people who only think it's for people with issues but honestly it's for everybody you Yeah. Know, mindset is what separates the best from the rest i'm sure that you have seen this <laughs> sentence a lot of, yeah, cases. And so you can either use it to improve your performance and get better and better and better. And you are bound to be better than the others who don't think about their mental training, because like I said, we all do it. So it's just about focusing on the right things and training the right habits. But it's also, I totally agree with you with the horse aspect of it, also because horses are flight animals. So they feel everything that we feel and they react to everything that we react, even though they are very, very, very well trained. So I think it's extremely important that us riders, when we sit on the horse, we are in a positive state because our horses can feel everything.
0: Yeah. And it's not the horse's job to make you feel good, right? It's your job to actually give the horse some sort of security and the feeling. That they're safe to stay with you and not run away.
1: Exactly. It's about leadership. You are basically describing leadership when, when we are riding. And that's what it's about, being a good leader for your horse. And you want to lead by example. You want to make your, your horse feel safe. So your horse thinks it's a good idea to come to a horse show where they have never been and do all these crazy things that you have tried at home, but everything looks different. It is it is very difficult for a flight animal. Oh, yeah. And even though your trainer has been really, really good at training that horse to do everything that you asked it to ask it to do, it's still going
0: to make a huge difference that you are in the right mindset. Absolutely. And I think something you just said is very interesting because you said that mental training is always like considered to be something of actually top-notch athletes or people that sort of need help. And I think that's kind of sad because as you just said, it's actually something that might help everyone and everyone can benefit from even if you benefit from it in different aspects or different ways and i think
1: that's one of the most important things that i would like to communicate uh, through my work make mental training easy to understand because you know it sounds a little cliche like when you say mental training and i've also had clients or or uh, older clients who don't train with me anymore think that this is crazy like uh, why are we all of a sudden thinking about all oh, this mental this and mental that, but it really doesn't have to be crazy. I think it's just a basic understanding of how our psychology works and making us into a more uh, effective writer and a happier writer. And of course, all the things that we work work on with the writing also benefits us in our everyday life and at work. So I really find it a, a super exciting topic and I and I love doing it.
0: Yes, me too, actually. I just watched a documentary on Netflix about cheerleading, and I think they actually do mental training in such an elite way, like just manifesting that they're the best all the time, that they're going to win. And I feel like that makes such a big part of the fact that they actually win. It's I don't know, it's crazy to watch from the outside, but it seems to work. Yeah, but it definitely works. And that's what I was I was referring to when I
1: said designing your identity because it is extremely powerful. You, can, you basically can make yourself believe in whatever you wish to believe. And as soon as you believe in it, you can make it happen. And it is as easy as I describe it. You can just try, you know, it takes 21 days to create a habit. You just try and design a new identity for yourself. Even though you don't have a mental trainer, and you have no idea what you are doing. Just the way you speak to yourself, the way you describe yourself. You can try and make a description of yourself as a rider now, like really honestly. Well, how how do you describe yourself as a rider? Are you self-confident? Are you are you a winner or you a loser? Are you uh, afraid of riding young horses? Are you a person who is placing in the top? Are you a person who is always placing in the middle? And really honestly, write everything down and then make a new list and say, I. I'm this rider who is always cool at horse shows. I'm the rider who can win the classes. I am the rider who's always positive when I come to my horse and spend time with my horse or whatever you would like to design. And it's so powerful. And it's very funny that you mentioned cheerleaders because you can actually become your own cheerleader.
0: Yeah. But do you feel like mental training is different with different age groups or different generations? Because I would feel like doing mental training with I don't know a youth kid, a teenager is probably very different from what you would do with a select writer.
1: Yeah, um, I think it's about the expressions that we use and the way you approach it. Because, like I said, I don't think that we have to hype it too much. I think my mission is to to have people understand that this is something that you do already, and this is something that you can do better. So, with kids, of course, you're not gonna talk too much psychology, you're not gonna talk too much biochemistry what's happening in your body when you are changing your body position but you can talk about moods and you can talk about what can you control and what can you not control and uh, they love little power mantras so you can teach them little mantras that they can go around and say to themselves Versus older people, maybe elderly people, if they are not so open-minded about, you know, new science. I mean, we have learned more in the last 20 years about our brains that we did in whole humankind. So there will be people who think this is crazy because they just have never learned about it in school and it's just too new. You know, it's just the way... we talk to the talk to these people and clients and use words that they understand everybody understands mood everybody understands uh self-confidence so it doesn't have to be anything too fluffy
0: yeah and i feel like it must be a very fun challenge for a trainer because everybody's so different everyone works a little differently in something that might work for me might not work for my teammates so there's always something new for a trainer
1: yeah, I mean, I think that's the best part of the job. It's uh, I love recognizing and figuring out the differences, not just in people but also in horses. I think that's one of the biggest fun in our job to just like you said, some things work for you, but they might not work for others. And it's just great to have a big toolbox and figuring out okay, how can I help this client or this horse? And there's always a solution. You just need to find a way.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting actually, and I think. What makes it even more interesting is the fact that every horse rider combination is different something i would do on one horse i might not do on the other horse so it never gets boring and i think that is what makes the sport so fascinating i totally agree
1: i i love finishing off my day and just thinking about what did i learn from these horses today and there are so many different things that you can learn even from the same horse
0: on different days I think it's it's the beauty of our sport so how do you actually like finish your work day i always see on instagram that you do a lot of work and you have long days do you sit down at the end of a day and write something down or how do you reflect on it
1: yeah so i i do have really long and busy days and that's also the reason why i'm trying to make it very easy for myself because I love planning, but I'm not very good at following up on them. So this is one of my weaknesses. And since I learned that this is one of my weaknesses, I started making it super easy for myself. So that's also what I think is crucial when we are trying to create new habits, is to make it super easy. So I do have a journal and I have only three lines under every day. And I force myself, even though I don't feel like doing it, to do sit down and reflect at the end of the day. And it doesn't matter what it is. And I'm not writing it to read it afterwards. It's just really taking the time to land and ground myself. And it can be first, but today it was, what did I learn from the horses that I trained today? Cause I had some major breakthroughs. Other days it could be, what did I learn from my clients? And on some other days it might just be what happened today. It's just so important to take the time to reflect on where I am and where I'm going. And I do recommend that to everybody. And like I said, it doesn't have to be three A4 pages every day. It's just the habit of sitting down and reflecting over the day.
0: And you just mentioned your weakness. So when it comes to a mental state of mind or the mental training, what would you say are your personal strengths and weaknesses? Oh, how, ma- how many hours hmm. do we have today? Because <laughs> this is one of my favorite topics
1: is is strength. Through my education, I also got a little side course for talent profiles. So basically you can take a test, answer a bunch of questions. Actually, I think 250 questions. And based on those questions, you get a profile of your talents. And it has been a major breakthrough for me to learn how we humans work. And I love doing that with all the people that I work with. So we all have 34 talents. This is just the test. who divides it to 34 talents and. I did say weakness, but it's actually also a talent who you might not be that good at. So my top talents are empathy and individualizing. That means that I'm very, very good at catching on people's feelings and horses' feelings, by the way, and understanding understanding their situation. And that way I can also find quick solutions for them. I really don't have a hard time talking to anybody because I have such an easy time basically fitting myself into their shoes and individualizing means that I enjoy the differences in people and I recognize the differences in people I'm also very targeted meaning that I love achieving results and getting better and these are the things that my strength builds on and we all have a different strength profile and you can basically figure it out when you talk to people you don't always have to do a test I just love this tool that I have so I use it a lot but the biggest message is to understand that, even though, so discipline is my 34th talent, and that's what I was describing. I, I love planning, but I might not be that good at following up on those things. So it's all about compensating with your strength and working slowly on changing your life so you don't have to do those things at an extent that it drains you for energy. So like, for example, I explain with my weakness or lower talent, It's really hard for me to be disciplined in a way to, for example, journal every day, but I made it easy for myself. So I'm trying to put a lot of focus to my strength and remove some focus from my weaknesses.
0: I think one thing you mentioned is really interesting, like individualizing. I think that's probably one of the best qualities that I personally see in other people, and especially in horse trainers and riders, like recognizing differences and actually celebrating differences in people and horses I think that's so important and I actually love it when people and especially horse trainers do that with the horses
1: yeah I mean it, it definitely uh, makes my job easier because so, you know for some people it's really difficult to understand why horses are so different or why people are so different but it's also important to say that you don't have to be particularly talented in in uh, in individualizing you can learn those things so either way whatever talents you have i think the most important thing is recognizing those talents and building on those talents we can all do the same things i think the problem starts when we start focusing on the things we are not that good at and trying to force ourselves into things we are not so good at you know like for example taking a job as a bookkeeper because my dad was a bookkeeper i'm just really horrible at organizing numbers so it's, it's the same with horses and working with people,
0: just building on what you're good at and it's all going to work out. I think it would be a good idea to let, let like everyone take that test because I feel there's so many people out there, especially riders, who are actually not aware of the talent they have and the different little strengths oh, yes. they have in the show pen. And I think it's kind of sad and they should probably take the test to recognize that. It has been seriously life-changing for
1: me to do it. And not, I mean, you know, when you do a test like this, hardly ever you get super surprised about the result. It's not that you don't know what brings you energy and what drains you for energy. But basically having this tool to work with it and say, okay, it could be that discipline is, for example, my last one. But it's not because I'm not disciplined. It's because if I focus on being disciplined all the time, it really drains me. So it's really just about figuring out where you should put your focus, where you should use your time. And yeah, I mean, it's a tool that's being used for hiring. It's a tool that's being used for personal development. And I love using it also for writers. But yeah, I think it's a little mission that I have in life to Help as many people as possible to figure out what their strengths are. Because people can do great
0: things when
1: they figure out what they're good at.
0: Absolutely. And is there something about mental training that I haven't asked for yet? Or something that you'd like to mention before we finish this podcast? You have had great
1: questions. So I (laughs) I don't have anything to supply with. And thank you very much for, for good questions. I really just would like to sum it up and... And the one thing I would like people to to take home about from all these things that we talk about is that you have a choice. You have the power to change and become exactly that person who you want to be. And as soon as you recognize that, it's like a completely different level of empowerment. And that's what I would like people to get. It's like a huge gift from life when you really understand how big things you can achieve and how easily you can get empowered so that's the one thing if you take anything home today then that should be the one thing
0: thank you so so much thank you so much for this insight because I think the topic is really fascinating if anyone has any questions for Dora just I don't know comment on Instagram send me a message send me a message on Facebook follow Dora on Facebook and Instagram and ask her directly thank you so much for joining me
1: Thank you. It's been a lot of fun and thank you so much for giving the possibility to talk about this. And I really hope that uh, we can help more and more people. And by the way, I've just set up a completely free webinar in English. So if anybody wants to learn more or want to ask me about anything, you're more than welcome to
0: join. That's really cool. Thank you so much. Thank you.